0: Welcome everyone. To the CavsCorner.com podcast. This is a Cavs Corner conversation. Uh, this is Brad Franklin coming to you live and in color from Louisville, Kentucky, the KFC Yum Center. I don't know how you say that with an exclamation point at the end of the yum, but, you know, whatever. Uh, Virginia having beaten Oregon last night to advance to the Elite Eight. I uh, got Purdue tomorrow night. Late tip. Thanks a lot, NCAA slash CBS. Um, I'm standing here with Mike Barber, of the Richmond Times Dispatch, and we're going to talk a little bit about not just last night's game, but also. Uh, the upcoming matchup with Purdue and Mike here's a, a softball right at the top of the bat how happy are you that you are here in Louisville covering UVA and not covering your beloved Virginia Tech because you know everybody who is a member of my message board thinks by far that you
1: are in the pocket for the Hokies so how happy are you to not be covering the team that you love so dearly it's very interesting how I've got two fan bases that read me pretty regularly and everyone in Blacksburg thinks I'm a huge UVA fan and everyone at UVA thinks I'm a huge tech fan and everybody back at my alma mater knows that I I went to Rutgers and I don't, there's not much to root for there, but still that, that would be, if there was a school for me, uh, that would be where my rooting interest lies.
0: Um, I I make a joke because you catch so much uh, hell, which probably means you're, you're doing your job to some extent. Um, But you have been, you know, with UVA, both in Columbia and here in Louisville, uh, as a non, um, you know, uh, somebody who, who, who didn't grow up in Virginia, who has, has followed the program just, you know, from your time at the TD, um, what, what would it mean, do you think, to college basketball as a whole or to sort of the, the big picture around UVA basketball for the
1: Cavaliers to reach the Final Four? Like, what would that mean in context of sort of the way you view the program? Yeah, I think absolutely that uh, for this generation or this era of college basketball, they're a program that's just outside the elite, kind of knocking on the door. Um, You know, nobody wants to play UVA right now. If you see UVA's name, you think, okay, that's going to be a top five program every year. And, um, you know, they are great. They have one of the greatest coaches in the game right now. But for that to transcend and to be something that, you know, is memorable, you go back to like when Ralph Sampson, you know, growing up in New Jersey, how did I know UVA? Well, that's where Ralph Sampson played, Um, and part of, you know, what Ralph did was to elevate the program and to take them to places that it had never been, and You know, that's that's what I think what's at stake here. And I also am a big believer that it's going to happen with Tony Bennett and with this program and the drama or the intrigue every year is, is this the team that's going to do it? Because every team, you know, we talk about matchups and we talk about, you know, all the other things that go into winning a basketball game. But, you know, at the end of the day, I I think Tony Bennett's going to get this program over that hump. And when that occurs, you're going to see them start to really crack into that where you are saying, okay, this is an elite program now. Uh, Is this the year? That's what that's what's kind of fun to watch. It seems like you mentioned getting over the hump. Matt Painter at Purdue,
0: one, same sort of situation. Not, maybe not you know, apples to apples, but a similar sort of situation there. You know, Good teams haven't been able to deliver in March. Virginia getting back to the Elite Eight, seventh time in school history, second time obviously went there in 2016 before losing to Syracuse and Chicago. Um, when you watch Virginia this postseason, are you seeing a team that you think is even close to its ceiling? What do you see from the Cavaliers
1: through these first – few games of the NCAA tournament yeah that's an interesting question because I I don't know that they've played their best basketball game yet but I I don't know that I don't know that teams that win the NCAA title I don't know that they do it by playing their best basketball games you know six times in a row I I think that's a lot to ask of of any basketball team really Um, I think what you're seeing from Virginia is that they're forget their ceiling their basement is good enough to win. And I think that's when you win a championship when you're a team that is really, really good. And if you have an off night, you can still get through. Um, So many teams, when they have their off night, that's the end of their March madness, right? They go home. You had a bad shooting night. You turn the ball over, you miss free throws, you go home. So the teams that win the title are the teams that can um, absorb their own bad night or absorb, a crazy night from someone else. I mean, that's so much of of this tournament. I mean, think about UMBC last year. It's, it isn't always your fault. Sometimes it's what the other guy did. Um, But I think this looks to me like the kind of team that can a absorb an off night from one of their stars or from the way they're playing. And I think it's the kind of team that can absorb a great night from somebody else and, and survive in advance as the cliche goes.
0: Yeah. The cliche, you know, I joke all the time that cliches are cliche because typically they're true. Right. I mean, you know, um, I feel like this Virginia team hasn't played its best basketball. But to your point, sometimes it's about what your baseline is. And the Cavaliers have been stingy on defense. They've, you know, kept, I mean, you know, what, the first three quarters of a half against Gardner-Webb since then. I mean, they've been at times dominant and at times a little shaky, I think. That sort of underscores a little bit of the inconsistency that they've dealt with all year, but their basement is still really good. They're able to, you know, to have these, um, you know, to have these lulls, maybe on offense where they don't score, but their defense really steps out on them. They're able to do what they did to Oregon last night, where they hold the the Ducks without a field goal for the final five forty three, and that came, you know, at a time when Oregon was really hitting on all cylinders. Lewis King hits three threes in a row, you know, the Ducks have seemingly taken in control of the game, and then Virginia sort of slammed the door. How? How, when you look at this matchup with with Purdue and, and sort of going forward for, for Virginia, how do you see the Cavaliers and the Boilermakers matching up? And will what we saw last night have much to do? Because, I mean, that Oregon matchup zone, to me, was one of the more interesting defensive I've, defenses I've seen. I felt, as I said on Twitter, I felt like a, a lot of people, when they come to talk to me about the pack line, you know, I want somebody to explain to me How that thing works But when you When you look at this Purdue matchup Do you see Much Corollary between the two games That Virginia's gonna play Here in Louisville Or is this kind of A different animal All in of its own
1: Yeah, I think it is a different animal, and I think you make a great point. Ty Jerome had a great quote in the locker room where he said, somebody asked him, you know, how long did it take you to figure out that Oregon defense? And he said, well, we played 40 minutes, and I don't think we figured it out. Um, And I watched 40 minutes, and I don't know that I figured it out. And I think they're glad it's behind them. This is a very different matchup. and, And I think Purdue, where Purdue will stress Virginia, to me, is with their outside shooting, which is what we've seen before. Now, the difference is in Purdue, Tennessee, so much of it got going because Carson Edwards was able to drive the lane. Uh, get to the rim collapse the defense that created open looks for Klein and some of the other guys on the perimeter I have a hard time seeing assuming the X's and O's stay similar I have a hard time seeing Carson Edwards having that level of success penetrating the pack line so now you're asking guys to get their own shot on the perimeter and that's where Virginia beats you right they they, they're not getting open looks and it's harder to knock down contested shots Um, that being said Purdue does have some guys who can shoot from the outside, who can get going. So if they find that space, you could be in that kind of a situation. I mean, so many of these tournament games, you know, it's a simple stat of who shot the ball better. Um, Assuming both teams play well, you know, that may be the deciding factor. But I don't think Purdue is as dynamic offensively um, or will at least have the same dynamic success going to the rim uh, that they were able to have against uh, Texas in their first one. It seems like to me, Purdue wants to do a lot of things offensively that Virginia wants to do,
0: right? Keep running screens, running screens. You're basically waiting for the other team to make a mistake, you know, waiting for them to break a little bit, waiting for them to break down. Um, It'll be really interesting to watch these two teams. You know, it's like that Spider-Man meme where they're both basically pointing at each other. Um, In a lot of ways, they are very similar, um, but in some ways they're different. I think Purdue has a little length, a little more, maybe a little more length, uh, playable length, let's say, than Virginia does. And I wouldn't compare Purdue maybe to to Florida state or maybe even Oregon, but they're a little bit longer in in spots. The question then, because length, length has been giving Kyle guy problems. Uh, (laughs) Length didn't seem to be bothering Ryan Klein last night, Um, but it certainly was giving, it's been giving Kyle Guy some problems. What do you feel like Virginia needs to do to get
1: number five going? Yeah, it's interesting because I think Kyle's gotten some really open looks. Um, I think where the length has been disrupting is just the flow of the offense. And, um, I think that, you know... Kyle Guy needs to get himself going by just getting one through the rim. And, you know, he gave an interesting answer when we asked about the slump. And he said, well, I'm not in a slump. He's like, I've gotten great shots, great looks. Uh, They felt good coming out of my hands. I'm not in a slump. And I think you and I would probably disagree and say, hey, if you don't get three points at the end, (laughs) it's a miss, you're in a slump. Um, His confidence hasn't wavered. They get him the ball in the same spots. Uh, They need his shots to go down. But I think it is as simple as continuing to do. And and I give Kyle Guy a lot of credit because – You see two things happen with kids in slumps. You see one, a guy who knows he's in a slump and won't shoot it. And then he becomes a liability on the court because the other team knows he ain't going to shoot the ball, and it changes the way you can defend. And then the other thing you see is a kid in a slump who says, well, I'm going to shoot it every time because i got to get my way out of this. Um, those are the two ways to attack a slump, and Kyle Guy, to his credit, has done neither. And he's played within the flow of the offense. He's gotten the ball in the spots he's supposed to. He doesn't pass on open shots, but he's not taking tough, contested, crazy shots. Um, I think it's going to come around for him, but when? I don't know there's anything UVA can do to spark that. You mentioned
0: guys – you know, that the that the defense says, all right, we don't need to worry about him. Kihei Clark was that guy for most of the season um, to even his own fans, right? Um, and then out of nowhere, he has become, I don't want to say the the glue that's holding this whole thing together, but in a lot of ways, the glue that's holding this whole thing together, his heart, especially his tenacity. But, his, but last night, it was his, his shooting. I mean, when Virginia needed a bucket, he was there. And that's something that You know, you don't see from too many freshmen playing in these kinds of moments. It's almost like he not only made his way through the wall, but he emerged on the other side, you know, a better version of himself or something. And now that you get into the most tense part of the season, he seems to be playing with the most confidence. Has that surprised you just to watch Kihei blossom the way he has the last couple weeks? I
1: would say I am surprised at how well he's done all that. But once he's out on the floor, Tony Bennett's too good a coach to put a guy out there who isn't ready for that spot. If Kihei Clark wasn't ready, you and I wouldn't know it because he wouldn't be on the floor. So the fact that he's in the lineup, the fact that he's getting the ball in those spots, the fact that he has the green light to take those shots, um, that tells me, yeah, there's no question he's ready. Tony Bennett's seen it. He's ready. Going into the year, did I think he would be in that position? No, not at all. I thought Ty Jerome would be playing the point. I thought Kyle Guy would be the two playing off the ball. Um, I thought that would limit what Ty Jerome could do as a scorer. Uh, I thought it would create some some issues. But you know, DeAndre Hunter can play so many different spots. I thought it would be okay. But what Kier Clark has done is brought a whole nother dimension. Where you essentially have two point guards, but Ty Jerome can do all the things he does off the ball. They can get him the ball late in the shot clock to be that guy that, that beats the shot clock, gets a big bucket, and all the other things he does offensively. And I, I just think, you know, Kia Clark wouldn't be out there if he couldn't handle it. Uh, and to his credit, you know, he's given that opportunity, he's rewarded his coach's faith, is the way I'd say it
0: matchup with Carson Edwards tomorrow night will be fascinating because here are two guys who are kind of used to being the little guy who gets underneath somebody else's skin and now they're going to be basically again doing the Spider-Man meme pointing at each other and like hey it's me um what is your last question for you we'll, we'll wrap up on this one
1: what's your key to the game for Virginia and your key to the game for Purdue yeah, well, I, I think for Purdue, it's it's about hitting those outside shots. And, you know, Carson Edwards, I started by saying I don't think he's going to find the same success going to the rim. That doesn't mean he can't be a very effective player in the game. Uh, if he gets a paint touch, if he gets into the lane and then there's that collapse and he can find open shooters, uh, that's going to get Purdue going. And to me, that's what it's about. It's, it's don't get frustrated when your path to the basket is cut off. That's really what you want if you're Purdue. You want that penetration, that collapse, that traffic jam, and then find the right guy and then you know, like we said before, you've got to hit the shots. And if you don't hit shots, you're done. Uh, For Virginia, to me, I think this is a big DeAndre Hunter moment. Um, I think there's going to be moments because of the pace. There's going to be moments because of Purdue's length where the offense doesn't look great. And I think he's still the guy that needs to take the basketball and beat somebody one-on-one and get a bucket. Um, I think that was what was missing in the last game. I think that's what they need in this one was I think they're going to play well. I think they're going to play well defensively. Uh, I don't think a guy's going to go over 10 shooting threes. I I think everybody's going to do their part. And Hunter needs to be that X factor that when things don't look good and when you're saying, oh, it's more of that bad Virginia offense, he can put up a finger and say, wait a minute, I'll take care of this and, and get you two, three buckets in a row. 8.49, the tip. I believe it's on TBS again. um,
0: Mike Barbers from Time Dispatch, thank you very much for your time, and thank you, everybody out there, for continuing to support the show. Uh, We will talk to you uh, on the other side. Thanks a lot.